yes, yes, yes. Good morning, everybody, or good afternoon, everybody, whenever it is you get your podcast fix. My name is Derek Smith, and this is the Truth or Derek show, the Truth or Derek podcast, or Truth or Derek, you know, whatever it is. You know, just uh, hit download, and I'll let you call me whatever you want. I hope everybody out there is doing good. We're going to get a chance to catch up on a few things today, but uh, again, I wanted to apologize for missing last week. We had to go to uh, a podcasting event, meet and greet, all that sort of thing, and we normally record with our Josh and Franz on uh, Fridays, but I was gone on Friday, but now we're back, and I promise you I'll never leave you again. We're going to try to put some some episodes in the can and all that sort of thing to get back to a regular rhythm, because... uh, I know you guys like it, and I like you, and everybody all likes everything. And speaking of what we like, it's podcasting. And if you want to take your podcast career, I know I'm the master of uh, sliding it in there. Get ready to take your podcasting career to the next level with www.podstars.net. Podstars is a talented and passionate community that will give you the opportunity to interview top professionals from a variety of industries, where they will share their insights and experiences with your audience. Plus... Everybody will have access to the exclusive celebrity catalog featuring some of the best in the business, both new and established. It is also free to join. As a member of Podstars, you can choose from our catalog of celebrities to interview on your podcast. If interested, for uh, an additional monthly fee of only $8.99 a month, you can upgrade to the community plan. A completely different and exciting catalog, full of some of the best experts and professionals in their fields today, as well as access to everybody in the whole Podstars universe. It is a great way to invest in your podcast, as you will save time and money by being able to book guests from one platform with an expansive catalog that is constantly being added to. So why wait? Join www.podstars.net now and start exploring all that they have to offer. You will not want to miss out on this amazing opportunity to elevate your podcasting career and be a part of the exciting community. It's funny. (laughs) I've read that a million times. I usually step on it or screw something up with it and somebody said you know why don't you just uh, take one that you've done that was perfect and reuse it and I thought you know what that's a good idea but uh I don't know it comes out a little bit more organic when I uh when I kind of wing it like that <laughs> anyways as I said I'm sorry I wasn't there last week I know I know it's not the end of the world but uh I do like to do uh keep this thing on schedule and um in addition to that, rather than hold too much stuff back, because I know a lot of the stuff we talk about is sort of topical, there will be some bonus episodes coming. So it won't just be every Monday. I know uh, we're talking with Joseph Scott Morgan next week, which is uh, going to be heavy because, uh, you know, if you watch TV or anything in true crime, he is a fascinating dude, uh, you know, right down to the the bluntness of his job. is Basically, he does autopsies on people that have died under suspicious circumstances, so. But we don't want to talk too much about that because we have too much fun to have today. Because you know Josh and Franz are back. Uh, our man Franz stops in a little bit late because uh, he was uh, he had a meeting. But I'll let you tell him. I'll, uh, I'll let him tell you all about that. Josh is here on time though, and he actually uh, he brought up something that was kind of interesting because he has a and actually a a, a, a good argument to um to to help at least figure out some of this gun violence issues that are going on in the states so yeah we'll get into that it's interesting we were talking about uh when i was uh before my first episode well uh, when we were talking about you know what we're going to talk about and stuff after the first episode came out it was a little while ago it was shortly after that uh you guys remember that submarine that submersible that went down and uh that was doing the titanic thing 
So uh, somebody had reached out to me for that, but again, uh, who the hell knows? I, I don't remember that far back, but I don't think we talked about it. And then uh, we talked about uh, Bezos getting married in space. So uh, one of the first people, our man Johnny in Pittsburgh, shout out. Uh, he was the one who originally said, you know, uh, what the hell is going on with the submersible thing? I'm sorry if my voice is a little raspy. He said, uh, what's going on with the submersible thing? And I don't, I don't remember if we talked about it or not. But uh, now that the space thing came up, so he reached back out and he said, okay, you're forced to go on one. Uh, you either have to go to the, the space wedding <laughs> or you have to go uh, to that same wedding, but on one of those uh, on one of those little submersible things. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't want to go on either one. <laughs> I think it's stupid, especially with what does space cost? $10, $12, 15000000 million to go up? At least the... Uh, the submersible that went underwater, I think there was 250 grand, which is still ridiculous. And, you know, I'm claustrophobic, but not to the point where I'm, like, uh, crippled by it. I mean, like, I don't like flying, but I don't think anyone likes flying. My trick for getting on an airplane was always just, uh... <laughs> I know we always say, the solution to this is drinking. The solution to that is drinking. But, uh, yeah, if you could uh, get a good flight time, you know, you have hopefully the day before off, you can maybe tie one on, kind of get up early the next day. So by the time you check into the flight, you're exhausted. And hopefully you can sleep through it. I know when I went to the Bahamas, <laughs> I was kind of spazzing out a little bit. Not spazzing, but as soon as we sat down, they sat a woman down next to me that had two newborn twins. And I thought to myself, oh, shit, this is going to be awful. And sure enough, I closed my eyes and I woke up and we were landing in the Bahamas. Yeah, but I'm rambling. So, uh, you know what? You're going to think I'm crazy, but I, I, I would take the submersible, I think, over the space thing. Uh, first of all, I don't want to go to Jeff Bezos' wedding. I mean, I would, because I would imagine, like, the, the gift bags that he gives out, like, that seems like he would have, like, a Rolex and that sort of thing in it. But I, I have very little interest in going to space. And it's like, I'm pretty sure most people are aware, but you're not actually, like, going or walking around space or whatever like that. They just, you, you take a... <laughs> I always say like a rocket ship. <laughs> you take a rocket ship, they fly you off into space, you look over at the moon, you take a few pictures, then you come back down. Like it's not uh you know, a spacewalk, a trip to the moon maybe would be a little bit different. It's very cold though. I like to stay warm. I'm gonna ask them if I <laughs> if I can bring a blanket. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I would pick the underwater thing. I mean if you look back at that whole thing, I mean it's sad. I think five people died on it, but apparently they died relatively quickly. It wasn't like they were sitting around, but that's was um, the chat we were having. From, again, I remember a little bit back then, but I don't think we talked about it. it was like, um, you know, I, with all the gun thing going around, it would have been smart in a situation like that, I think, to have a weapon because A, if everybody else is freaking out, you're going to have to calm them down somehow, and B, you know, it sounds awful, but if you're like a survival of the fittest, I remember the first day they were missing, they were like, you know, five people have air for 72 hours. And again, the first thing I thought of was, well, if I, if I kill the other four, then I have two weeks worth of air. But uh, again, I remember, uh, I just remember uh, thinking how panicked and all that was. Then it turns out that they died relatively quickly. Like, you know, when you implode like that, apparently it takes less than a second and it's just over so yes to answer your question my good man if i had to go to <laughs> if i'm choosing space 
on a good spaceship or going underwater in a shitty little submarine, I'm going to probably take the underwater one. The other thing that was odd about that, when you saw pictures of that thing, I mean, okay, you want to see the Titanic? Knock yourself out. You got an extra quarter of a million dollars burning a hole in your pocket? Good for you. But uh, if if you looked at that thing, first of all, that thing was sealed from the outside. That alone is horrifying. And they only had like little, little tiny portholes. So it was like, I mean, you know, I'm a firm believer in just download yourself or just go on Netflix for a Titanic documentary. And they have the HD 4000, you know, that sort of thing. You can get a pretty good look at it. You don't actually have to go down and look. The, the porthole on it was tiny. It was like the size of like a grapefruit. And, you know, like you want to get like a, a good look <laughs> for a quarter of a million dollars. I'd like to have a really good look at it. I would suggest if anybody else is thinking going to Ocean Gate or whatever that was called, just, I don't know, go to Costco, buy, buy one of those uh, really nice, uh, <laughs> really nice big screen TV and get yourself a Netflix subscription. You can save some money and you can have a better look at it. Uh, so where are we? Shooting people on a submarine. I covered it. I uh, just wanted to get through a few of the questions because, as always, we actually, uh, Josh and Franz and I didn't run that long today. Franz got there a little bit late, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, we also got to, I know uh, we've had a lot of people uh, reaching out about uh, drafting stuff off music or food or whatever it is. So we finally got to talk some music today, which was awesome. Uh, I let them talk because <laughs> I know you guys hate my taste in music. <laughs> But I digress. Uh, one of the other questions that came in a little while ago that I thought was funny. Would you rather have ten skunks in your backyard or three alligators? And I thought about it for a second because you think it's crazy, but I would take the alligators all day long. I don't know if anybody out there has dogs. Uh, if your dog has ever been skunk, okay, skunks, okay, you get it. They smell bad. But... That smell, when it gets into your house, it, like, no word of a lie, it takes about two or three months to get rid of. And we're talking about, like, it didn't get in any fabric, anything like that, but if your dog gets sprayed, we washed her with that miracle solution. Uh, again, uh, as we always love to hand out unwarranted advice, if you have a dog and they get sprayed, don't buy that shit they have at the, the pet store. It's enzymes, it's this, that, and the other thing. Just Google the... Uh, just Google, like, magic uh, skunk dog eraser. It's just, like, dish soap, I want to say baking soda, water, and something else. And it works ten times better. So uh, we did that, like, two or three times. And then we, our vet was able to get her in for, like, a really good shampoo, brushing, and all that. But still, every time the dog gets wet, it's like it's like, <laughs> it's like a, a shit-smelling aromatherapy candle. Where that smell just keeps coming back and keeps coming back. And like I said, it didn't get really into any fabric or anything. It was just that smell is always around. Plus, uh, you know from watching uh, videos on YouTube and all that. I remember it wasn't when we were in the Bahamas. When we were in Mexico, my wife and I. There was uh, some medium-sized baby alligators that were running up and down uh, like the far side of our um, where our, where our hotel was on the beach. And they weren't really causing problems. I mean, I'm sure, uh, I don't want to say you could train them, but if the three alligators are out there and they know when you're feeding them and stuff, and you always see people with, uh, dealing with alligators in Florida, like whether it's on a golf course or at the beach or that sort of thing. I mean, I'm sure they kill some people, but I don't know. What do they eat, raw chickens? I'll just, I'd get a whole bunch of raw chickens and I, I would friend the alligators. I don't, as long as it didn't turn into a Captain Hook situation, so. 
Uh, Sean in Virginia, 10 skunks versus 3 alligators. I'm taking the alligators all day long. The, I have a pool, though. That, that, that might be an issue. <laughs> uh, we had a few others. Somebody sent me something awesome, because you know um, podcasting is usually an audio medium. Uh, we do put the, the videos of our interviews up, but I don't put the videos of me talking up, because... You know, with the guests, you like to see them. You like to see what they're doing. I can't imagine anybody wants to sit here and watch me rattle on. Uh, maybe I will one day, but I'm also not that great at audio editing. So, uh, you know, it's this, it's one of those things. Hopefully, if I get better at it, uh, we can eventually start doing that. So somebody sent me this. Now, I'm going to play this for you. Keep in mind, we keep it relatively clean on this show. We have some light cursing, but we don't do anything, you know, too risque. So I'm going to play you this, and I want you to just think for a second before I tell you what it is, what you think it is. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. <laughs> Again, if you guys ever get any audio clips, please feel free to send them over. Okay, so that was, you ready for it? A guy breaking the record. I'm sorry, I don't have his name in front of me. Uh, a guy breaking the record for the most alternating fist bumps in 30 seconds. So that was a props award. I believe he did 280 in 30 seconds. Uh, well, I had one more here. <laughs> Give us a little bit of jolly background music in this one. <laughs> My apologies, I got a, a little bit of a cold or an allergy thing. But... Anybody? Any guesses? <laughs> Alright, time's up. That is a gentleman setting the Guinness World Record for the most finger snaps in one minute. So, finger snaps and fist bumps. Uh, you know, Keep your minds out of the gutter, people. And speaking of having our minds in the gutter, and we're doing our little audio break here, uh, you know, uh, which has quickly become a fan favorite over the last few weeks, a little bit of Derek slowed down where I sound drunk. Here we go. The one that caught my, my <laughs> attention the most was so good. one of the guys bought two faces, like two human faces. <laughs> For what I don't know, I'm I'm surprised. It's obviously some <laughs> sort of weird shit, but um, yeah, it was six hundred dollars. So like, you know, it's funny. I was uh, a story to I had heard a like one or two people do this. I didn't know it was such I a thing. It was actually one of the listeners, and I think it was uh uh. Julie that suggested like, this, but you know, I, I think I'd heard it once or twice a while ago. But this was like a human a, a, faces <laughs> or a human head. You're you're probably thinking this 10, is twenty grand. And all this that this stuff. whole thing is relatively new to me, but um, I know, I uh, know when we were talking when we were talking with the, the Josh and Franz, this most recent one that you'll hear next. Uh, even like, Franz drops a couple, and Josh is like, uh, "Oh, uh, you guys have to do this one." So. <laughs> 
I'll get on that. Somebody comes along and goes, oh, yeah, no, I can get you two of those for $600. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have some fun. You guys know uh, I love anything uh, anything audio uh, tomfoolery, any audio trickery. You guys know uh, you can use the World Wide Web. Google The Truth or Derek Show or The Truth or Derek Podcast. is a bunch of ways to get, to get a hold of me there. The best place is probably on Twitter, though, at Derek Vampire Slayer. Uh, uh, which is goofy, I know, but that was the one that kind of built up before the podcast. So I'm stuck with it. Just, uh, yeah, if you Google the Truth or Derek podcast, it'll come up on Twitter. Shoot me a message. Email me, podstars.connect. That's podstars with a Z at outlook.com. Uh, a couple other ones quick here. Uh, Angie in New Jersey, and uh, shout out to all my New Jersey people. We've got some good numbers there lately. Said, if you had to give up a food, uh, for the rest of your life, between rice, pasta, red meat, or chicken, which one would it be and why? And I thought, okay, I'm not giving up red meat because, uh, you know, let's face it. You know that that old saying is that the first person that's going to live to be 150 has already been born? I am not that person. <laughs> and I'm not giving up steak or ground beef. There's too much you can do with it. It's too versatile. Especially ground beef is still relatively affordable when it's on sale. Steaks, eh, sort of. I like chicken, but uh, that's a tough one. I'm not giving up rice either. I know everybody makes fun of me, and it's funny because my, my wife's not a huge rice fan. I, I could eat rice every day for the rest of my life, probably more so than pasta. So the one I'm going to get rid of is either pasta or chicken. Pasta or chicken. You know what? I'm probably going to get rid of chicken. Yeah, that, that, that hurts to say, but I'm looking at the rest of them, and again, there's no chance I give up rice or red meat. So, uh, you know, if the... Uh, the podcast police come by and heard this. Take all the chicken away. I'm done with it. Lou, I don't have where you're from here. It always feels like uh, Larry King. Uh, remember Larry King? What do you say? It's fun. He'd be like, New Jersey, you're on the air. Oregon, what's your question? <laughs> Lou from I don't know where you are from. Uh, what is the best meal you ever had? I told you guys, the, the food questions come up more than any other questions. It's like, okay, you're having two, you know, very successful lawyers that are on TV uh, all the time. And, like, the first question is, uh, what is their favorite food? What is their favorite fast food restaurant? I told you today we do the um, we do the draft of uh, their favorite rock bands, which was a hoot. So I got all your comments because you guys love when I did the top fives, top tens, and all that sort of thing. So that will be a thing moving forward. You'll get a lot of uh, – I'm going to try to do one every episode. So if, again, you, you got, got the way to hold, get a hold of me, if you have any cool ideas for best to draft off anything, let me know. Um, the best meal I've ever eaten. There's been a couple, but the, the one that sticks out the most, it was probably arguably one of the most expensive too, was um, we used to all the time – see, uh, I don't know if anybody out there has ever been to Niagara Falls – uh, but it is a party. Niagara Falls is awesome. Aside from the actual falls, there's so much to do there. There's great restaurants. There's uh, two casinos, really nice casinos, and, you know, we like to do the, the gambling thing. It's just, it's fun around every corner, and uh, because they're uh, primarily, they make 90% of their business the money and stuff in the winter, or in the summer, sorry. In the winter, uh, you can go hop on the, the Hilton websites or any of those, uh, you know, Marriott, uh, some of those other ones that are right on the falls. And they'll send you, you know, every week. They'll send you every week or every, uh, you know, every couple of days different specials they have there. So it's one night, two night specials with 
you know, fifty dollars worth of gambling, a hundred and fifty dollar meal certificate, some other fun, you know, discounts or tickets on this, that, and the other thing, and it's really affordable. Like we've stayed, depending on when it is, you know, like January, February, when obviously they're dead. Like we've stayed in like one of those two room, three thousand square foot, uh, you know, places with two jacuzzis, uh, the huge suites with like the living area and the kitchen and all that sort of stuff. You can get those for like seventy or eighty dollars a night. Uh, definitely check out, uh, you know, not, I don't want to say resort places, just places that are cool to visit, uh, that are kind of summer dependent in the winter because, uh, I have this weird thing and I, and I know most people think I'm kind of crazy, but I love eating at an empty restaurant. <laughs> like I can think of a few times down there, the Montana's and Niagara Falls as for chicken wings, probably the top three I've had in my entire life. It was just the size, the texture, the sauce, everything on it was perfect. We were down there for two or three days. Cause again, we went down there for a weekend and stayed in this massive hotel and again, big window right over Niagara Falls. And I think the whole three days cost like 150 bucks. Like it was amazing. And uh, yeah, I, we ended up going back there two or three times. The manager was cool. They had manager and one bartender and they were just sitting there shooting the ship. And it was so awesome just eating in a place that probably seats 200 people and it was completely empty. But I don't know if it was that particular trip. But back to, sorry, you know, you asked me a question, and of course I talk for five minutes before I give you an answer. One of the specials they gave us, I don't know if anybody, uh, if anybody out there has ever been to a Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. So I've been to a million steakhouses, like even some of the ones where I live. Some of them are good, some of them are bad. But uh, Ruth's Chris is different. So they actually cook a steak that most people can't cook at home. Uh, it's like marinated in butter, or garlic, or whatever they do. But then they cook it at like 1,800 degrees. I think it's called a salamander stove or a salamander heater. Uh, so, you know, you get this thick thing. But the the way it, it's it's cooked, when it comes out, it's like you still have to cut it. But it's like cutting through butter. There's just there's something about it. It's not just the, the, the flavor and the cut of the steak was perfect. But it was prepared perfect. Uh, you know, get your sides, your potatoes. They have different little, you know, uh, sauces or horseradish because I'm a sauce guy. And the whole thing that, that came out, we just picked a beautiful bottle of wine. Uh, you know, during that, we sat at the bar ahead of time, had a perfect pint of beer. It was just one of those, it was one of those absolute perfect meals. Now, <laughs> mind you, when we booked that, uh, again, normally they come with, uh, what I was saying, those packages, they come with like, you know, $40 off at TGI Fridays or $30 off at Outback, this sort of thing. So we saw that it was $150 off, uh, you know, dinner for two at Ruth's Chris. So, you know, you're not really doing the math and whatever. So we got all this between the bottle of wine and two of those steaks. And again, it's an absolute masterpiece, the the steak that they brought out, because I've never had anything like it. That's why this one sticks out for me. Uh, that The two steaks, the a couple sides of potatoes, whatever, a bottle of wine, <laughs> came to like $675 plus tip. Uh, so yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. So Maybe that's the reason I remember that meal, because it's arguably one of the most expensive meals I've ever had, but absolutely delicious and it's one of those you'll never be able to make it at home unless you buy one of those fancy ass uh, oven stoves whatever the whatever the heck fire they do with it i did have a couple more things to get to but you know what we are running out of time i know you guys i'm always saying i'm always in a hurry i'm always out of time always out of time but listen 
as always, reach out to me. Uh, good feedback, bad feedback. You know, I'm always trying to get better. I'm sorry if my voice is a little nasally again. It's a little allergy, uh, little allergy season here. So, um, again, thank you guys all so much for listening, and let's uh, let's dive in because uh, we got a fascinating chat here with you. Love them, and I love them. Joshua Schiffer and Franz Borgard. Well, we're all sure friends. Franz will be along shortly, and. Uh... Sure. As always, we are excited to be involved with Fridays with Franz. Of course, this would be a lot more effective if he was actually here, despite that making no sense because uh, this show comes out on Mondays. Nevertheless, uh, he is the spice that makes Louisiana hot. He is a brilliant legal pundit, constantly on court TV and on the radio at Talk 107.3 with Brian Haldane. He's a heck of a lawyer and even a better person. He is the amazing Franz Borghardt, joined as always by the Hall of Famer, a mere three states over, mesmerizing people on CNN, ATL News First, and of course on Court TV and everywhere else. He is one of the best knockdown, drag-out attorneys around. He's a badass. He's the toughest legal son of a gun in the lower 48. He is the great Joshua Schiffer. How you doing, man? I, I'm doing awesome. I found Franz right here. I'm doing great, Josh. It's so good to see you and Derek. Man, <laughs> you two are so handsome. Thanks, Franz, man. I really appreciate you saying that. I had octopus for lunch. It's delicious. Yeah, let me tell you about low-carb living. It's fantastic. Look how skinny I am. I'm like that big, fat monster shiver. Oh, <laughs> hilarious. Octopuses are smarter than people. They're, they're smarter than six-year-old children. Can we talk about cephalopods for an hour? Because really, I'm going to bring an octopus to court, and I figure 12 octopuses, not guilty. I got a class-action lawsuit against, what, sorry, what was it, a cep- cephalopod? Cephalopods. <laughs> And really, if he could spell, if anybody could spell cephalopod, cephalopod law, probably a good marketing idea. How are you doing, man? It's a rainy, crazy Friday here in Atlanta. Yeah, it's actually not too bad here. It's cold, but it's not bad. But uh, yeah, no, the weather's starting to turn a little bit. So there's a little something to look forward to. Yeah, we were having our typical fourth fake spring and our daffodils are up. But the last 24 hours has been just gray and gross, which meant that everybody is gathered around right now, in fact, watching this big trump Fonnie Willis hearing. Uh, we're just in the last little bit during taping right now, and uh, it has uh, eaten up the bandwidth of the legal community around here, uh, and I think it's going to really reverberate nationally, because no matter what Judge McAfee does, people are going to be pissed. Like, just doesn't matter. People have a right to be really upset. See, I, and again, 100%, but I think... Um... See, it's funny with you guys being in show business and all that, when you get, uh, I don't want to say it's Trump and Fanny Willis fatigue, but, yeah. uh, you know, but been looming over the the, uh, the horizon is this whole P. Diddy thing, because oh my God. you and I, you know, we, we talk on socials and we text back and forth and all this thing, but this thing, I mean, we said it was from flying under the radar to now, it's every day you're starting to get that, you're ramping up, you're getting bigger drips and drabs about uh, about that whole situation. Wow. And, and it's the whole response, because listen, I, I, I'll rip the Band-Aid off to some It is not your example of a well-written, highly crafted suit. I, I don't know lawyers involved. I know by reading it, and it's 70-something pages, um, it doesn't appear to match the format that other cases of that nature do. It appears vaguely legally sufficient, but... Uh, it does appear that the that the lawyer drafting it uh, takes a unique view of of drafting. That to the side, the allegations made are unbelievable, um, sanctionable if they're false. Uh, I, I really feel that P's lawyers are going to go ape 
on this filing complainant. But from the allegations included in the complaint, if there is the evidence that they talk about that this is serious stuff and the power of a civil RICO, if he can get to a judge and he says, yep, that's that's civil RICO. The discovery is beyond voluminous because it's not just what happened on this day. No, you get to really do a complete investigation, a, a, a autopsy of all of Puffy's and the assorted other co-defendants' businesses. I mean, it includes Cooper Gooding Jr. I heard, it's, got, yeah. it's got some some big, heavy bunch of rappers. And you can tell it's really not an awesomely written suit because if you have to write a suit where you are going to hide people's names, you don't put in a footnote the, the Easter <laughs> egg where it's like, you, you know who it is? It's this person. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> come on. Come on. That, that's just some low rent ratchet stuff. Uh, but, you know what's funny? Because uh, we talk on that. You know, you guys are the, the legal experts and all that. It seems like, I don't know, maybe we just don't pay close enough attention. But you know what? 10 or 15 years ago, it was like there was a murder. There was this. There was a homicide, a shooting and all that. They seemed a little bit more cut and dry where y your education to this point has to be next level. Because it's like. You know, especially for you guys that go on TV and stuff, they're going to grab you and they're going to throw you on TV and ask you about P. Diddy. You're like, there's so many layers and stuff to a case like this. It's just, it's fascinating that you're able to keep up with it. Well, and, and it really is impossible to fully share the, the nuances and the stuff that happens behind the scenes. Like we talk a lot about some of these salacious charges. And if you follow us all on Twitter, there's, you know, these daily cases that are on the headlines of every newspaper in the nation. And they're they're written and crafted in a way to grab your attention, get clicks, which I don't necessarily like, but I appreciate that's the business of, of journalism and social media. But what you never really get to hear is that background story, because so much of the justice comes out of the negotiations and the strategy behind the scenes. Um, there is something to be said for stacking charges for prosecutors. You see people come out and take this plea that to the public and the media is out of nowhere. But actually, it's been pending for a while. It was originally charged as this, but now it's been reduced to this because you take individual charges and amend or remove them completely changes the game. And I know when we were talking with Rachel a couple weeks ago, we mentioned felony murder and the felony murder rule being this just in, inherently evil idea. Because basically, if you're near anybody committing a felony and you're committing a, any felony, any felony, possession of one gram of cocaine, and someone dies somehow involved in that incident, your mandatory sentence is life. So if you're charged with it, you really aren't negotiating. Hey, do you want to plead guilty to life or do you want to go to trial? <laughs> and all I had was a gram of coke. Yeah. yeah. But he died while you had to coke and were riding in the car that was running away. And that's that's felony murder. We've got one now where it was a guy that was uh, running away, doing a fleeing attempting to elude. And the officer wrecked. And the officer died. And that guy's going to face felony murder. Now, clearly, that's not an, uh, an innocent bystander just along for the ride. But the, the guy who actually is going to get charged with the felony murder, there's no question he didn't intend for that officer or anybody else to die. He intended to run away. He intended to create a factual scenario where others could pretty easily get killed. And that's why 
the felony murder rule exists. But when it comes to negotiations, if they're not going to take that off the table, there, there ain't no negotiations. You're, you're going to trial if the only offer is left. So, you know what? I, just, I wanted to take this back for a sec because I did one last thing just with the felony murder because I know what you were saying. We had a case up here years ago where uh, a cop pulled over a drunk driver and the cop was hit uh, hit and killed. And that uh, yeah. ended up getting tagged onto the drunk driver because it's sort yeah. of uh, the cop wouldn't have been there had you not have been there sort of situation. Yeah. Uh, so now, sorry, just to go back a little bit, we were talking about the, the P. Diddy thing. Because originally, I mean, there's so much of this in right now, and I know that you've you've touched on some personal injury, uh, just you know, lawsuits that are that are sort of targeted at money. So let's just say with the P Diddy thing, and then we'll go to the Alec Baldwin thing. But, but, but with the P Diddy thing in general, do you think that because you said it's only 78 pages, which I'm guessing for a case this big is not that much, do you think this is just an area to kind of dip your toe in to see if he's willing to pay everybody out, or do you think this is going to be one of those cases that goes on for five years? Uh, it, it'd be inconceivable for the plaintiff in that puffy case to just drop the case um, on everybody out of nowhere. There, the general practice is you come hire me because somebody's done something awful to you, whether intentional or reckless or negligently. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to evaluate what your damages are and do a damages analysis. We aren't going to bring a suit if we've got time on the statute until you're done with whatever treatment is going on, which is why fast lawyers lose you money. <laughs> Any lawyer that's like, we'll put money in your pocket, quit. No, man, that's because you're leaving all half the money on the table. Yeah, remember you know, that? If, you, if you're in a car accident, call John Dent. I, get yeah. I close cases in 24 hours. Oh, my God. And I'm like, you are advertising that you're hosing your clients. I can't get you good money for uh, treatment that you haven't gotten done. No, we want all the treatment as possible every cabra, every nickel we can put in there, because that goes into the demand package. And before any civil lawsuit is filed, basically, there's going to be this back and forth of demands and 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 conversations. I'm not just going to drop a lawsuit on you because I've wasted then my opportunity to settle this in advance more efficiently and maximize my client's recovery because we haven't had to go through the dance and there's a real value to the other side of the lack of public knowledge. And one of the values you carry as a plaintiff's lawyer is, hey, Puppy doesn't want this out in public and I've got a legitimate claim and I can file a case. I, I bet we could get more money if we dismissed this uh, <laughs> incoming action or nipped it in the bud before anybody knew. And that becomes part of the negotiations because you're literally like, hey, Here's what we're going to accuse you of in a civil lawsuit. And we are not going to try to criminally prosecute you. This is a civil-only lawsuit. It is against all rules and law to combine a criminal prosecution with a civil lawsuit. You are not allowed to say, give me money or I'm going to have you locked up. That will destroy your lawsuit and your lawyer. Um, but you would have a, a call, some letters. Hey, Mr. Puffy, I'm this guy. We're going to sue you for this. If you've got a lawyer, we really need to talk to them. And then you'd start a conversation. And in that conversation, you might go in to what's being alleged and potential defenses and potential uh, aggravators, as well as potential resolutions. And if someone can be settled out of court before there's even a court uh, filing, all the better. People would say the system works. Josh, 
No, okay. Now you just brought up something interesting with how much is it worth. So, let's say there's a there's a you know a, a sexual charge here or a rape or an injury or pain and suffering. Who who decides what that totally like? Is there somewhat of a book that says you know what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like how does a case go from a million to five million? Who who comes up with that price? Well, it's the enlightened judgment and and views of a jury. And, and and it's chicken. It's playing chicken, man. It's two sides running at each other a million miles an hour with the twelve people who know the least about the case <laughs> being the final arbiters. And that's part of a civil trial. In a civil trial, there's generally a liability phase and a damages phase. Liability phase is who's responsible, what happened, who's on the hook. The damages phase is. Now, what kind of injuries are we talking about? And injuries come in all kinds of different forms. There's some that are more valuable in the minds of jurors and less. And the art of trial lawyering on, on the civil end is knowing how not just to carry that liability, but use that liability to maximize damages and practicing perfecting how to draw those damages out from victims and family members and all that in a way that resonates with uh, jurors, as opposed to a defense perspective, which is very often uh, pain and money don't equal each other. If you have a priceless piece of art and there's a scratch on it, doesn't mean it's not a priceless piece of art still, even though the defense is going to say you've now blemished something that was invaluable and it's still really valuable, but isn't the value a lot less. And and you get into some really heavy esoteric arguments that can apply and really move jurors. Same thing, they could get freaked out and walk away. Some people, when they're trying to do damages, rely heavily on math. You'll see a lot of multiplications and uh, actuarial tables. We were joking earlier that there's literally a death table for people born the year you were born, <laughs> where the actuarians have said, all right, 1976, that means you're going to live to 76 years old. So if I'm injured at 40, and I'm going to live to 76, that gives me 36 years of damage. And if I need a nurse to uh, dress me twice a day and attend to my bathroom needs five times a day, man, well, that's times 365 times 36. And if you can get down to a daily dollar amount and then plug into the tip, when you see those huge jury verdicts, very often that's the kind of math that, that gets you there. And it can be used also in smaller cases, unlike cases where you're really just arguing about insurance coverage, because a lot of times the limitation is on how deep the pocket on the other side is. A billion dollar judgment is worthless against somebody that doesn't have anything and is- Mom and pop hardware store, right? <laughs> well, yeah, you can take certain assets, but there's only so much value there. Uh, we, we joke because there's lawyers that I'm the billion dollar lawyer. I've won a billion. <laughs> All right. So you heard at Walmart, all Franz Borghardt. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you have a billion dollars, why are you still practicing for-profit law instead of just having hilarious fun law, which is what I would do if I had a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, but really, it's completely uncollectible. Yeah. Uh, when you see some of these, especially what the, they love to call nuclear verdicts, uh, completely uncollectible. Uh, that's why the search for the, the, the culpable party includes this financial component. Uh, it's why criminals aren't sued 
you get convicted all the time on what is otherwise an intentional tort. If I shoot you, I've injured you. I will probably go to prison for shooting you. Yeah, but I'm not going to get rich off of it. Yeah, you can. Well, it depends. If you sued Josh right now, not rich, but I got assets you can chase. I own a house. Take it to your house. Don't well, you shoot me now. <laughs> well, then here's where it gets interesting. What about my insurance policies? <clears throat> How many do I have and what do they cover? We are always in a personal injury case. One of the first things we do is the quest for insurance. Yeah. Because, sure, you've got mandatory car insurance, but what about uh, house insurance, homeowners, umbrella? What about all the various work-related insurance policies? What about UIM or under uninsured motorists? So many lawyers just don't even consider UIM. We use it in a huge chunk of our cases. It is the single best dollar you spend on your insurance policy is to make is to carry UIM. It's the smallest part of your bill, but it's also the one that disappears if you ask for the cheapest rate. They take it off. <laughs> no one is more angry than when I'm like, yeah, I know you got whatever, 25, 50,000 from the policy of the person that injured you, but they don't have any more money and they don't have more policy. But Josh, I'm so much more injured. Yeah, too bad you got rid of your UIM. Yeah. Because that would have been another three hundred grand we could go after. And I go, well, can I get? No, man, you wanted to save four dollars a month, <laughs> so you got rid of UIM. And it's the bane of of personal injury lawyers is are are the number of people who cut off their nose to spite their face when it comes to a very inexpensive insurance policy. And basically, UIM covers damages that weren't covered by the person who injured you's policy. So if they only had 50,000 in coverage and your damages outstripped 50,000 and they don't have assets to go chase, your UIM is supposed to step in. Mm. And you pay for it. It's it's a it's it's something you've bought. Like you use it. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting. You don't I mean, you hear a lot a lot about this in uh, civil cases and bigger cases like uh, you know, like the Alec Baldwin thing for example, but you know, for like a, a regular person like yourself and a regular person like myself, you don't really think of 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 the the, the money aspect of it. That if you shoot me and I, I, you know, and I have a permanent injury as a result of that, can I make money off that? Because you usually just hear the guilty party got twelve to seven. Yeah, no, years. went to prison. Yeah. But and and it's just not as common for people that are involved in violent crime to have assets to go. It it stinks. Now I'll tell you, we do really well on some criminal into civil cases from my domestic violence practice. Uh, and a certain percentage of my domestic violence cases are not defending an abuser, it's representing a victim. Right. And if it's lined up right, which is special, you, you can't just walk in there and start suing people. Uh, we have several six-figure results for domestic violence where, hey, you will you beat the tar out of my pretty young victim, so we're gonna sue you personally. And then the the guy go, no, I already got prosecuted. And you go, well, yeah, now you're gonna get monetarily chased for damages. And they try to blow us off, and then we sue them. And then they go from <laughs> law firm to law firm, being like, hey, trying to hire a lawyer for what? Ah, oh, civil defense. Great, come on over. What's it civil defense for? Well, I'm already convicted of beating up this woman. And then they're like, see you later. Yeah, and the lawyers are like, "Yeah, we don't we don't do that kind of civil defense. We we did one against a prominent football player 
that ended up hiring a mega firm for, I don't even want to know how much money they charged this guy. But they did a terrible job defending him against our incredibly easy lawsuit where he basically broke this woman's back um, and had an intimate relationship with her and no defense. And he got convicted and it was like, all right, we're accusing you of breaking her back and causing these injuries. And for proof, here's the transcript. Are you pleading guilty in court? So what much money do you want? <laughs> and, and we're like, you want to go trial on it? Awesome. I will totally talk about domestic violence and physical violence on behalf of a victim. My favorite case this week, I had, I had two major criminal issues that were set where I was working for the defendants and we got really very pleased with how they are resolving. But my other big case this week was a victim. And it was a victim that was out in a public space at a, at a, at a facility where she was viciously assaulted out of nowhere by someone who doesn't have two nickels to rub together. Right. She was still viciously assaulted. And I love doing the victim work because I got to argue during the criminal process about why the punishment, in my mind, was insufficient. And that's due to structural issues in that jurisdiction. And the DA's office in that jurisdiction sucks. But we're also going to follow up with a civil suit and use the failure of the criminal justice system to maximize her damages. Right. Because the argument's going to be she couldn't rely on law enforcement and the criminal yeah. justice system. The, the the person that did this to, to her got out of jail and walked just fine. My client has lifelong permanent brain issues and this and that and the other. And she got told by law enforcement, don't worry, we're going to get the bad guy. And what they do is... It does mean no good, right? Yeah, go. yeah they, they say it offers closure, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know... Yeah. A perfect example, like a good question for you is, uh, you know, with the, the Kansas City parade issue, if, a, you know, a mass shooter comes out, okay, they catch the shooter, but, you know, you've shot me, I'm not going to walk right for the rest of my life. Like that, you know, the, the, the closure doesn't really do me that much good. Let Franz into this because I just got a text that he's there and I'm going to start talking about how Josh Schiffer solves the Second Amendment gun problem because this is really the solution and everybody wins. Oh, you have a you have a solution. No, to I completely solved the American somebody. gun control issue. Completely solved the American gun control issue. Uh, this is what we're going to run Franz on. Don't tell uh, me. Go finished. on CNN and tell them. What am I going to uh, do? I'd love to take credit for this, but I I did lift it from the the cure to gun issues and the over availability and lack of effective control of firearms in the United States is to require every firearm to carry a mandatory million dollar insurance policy. And you don't have to have an ID. No, you have to have a policy. That gun has to have an active policy. I don't wanna know who pays for the policy. I don't wanna know what the bill is, but every firearm registration number has a policy attached to it for a million dollars. Well, it's, they're just going to raise the price of the gun. That's well, not, no, 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 no. Guns remain cheaper than ever. And I say we get rid of the 3334 Act. If I want to buy a machine gun, I just get to buy a machine gun. Bet the policy for machine guns more expensive. I also bet that 19-year-olds pay a lot more than 50-year-olds. And I bet no one's going to insure a 19-year-old with a machine gun 
where they would insure a guy that served in the military and has a lot of training and takes a lot of classes and satisfies their underwriting requirements because the private sector will make sure that the insurance business is profitable. And what that does is every time there is a piece of gun-related violence, there's also going to be a pile of money for a lawyer to go chase to make sure the investigation's done properly and to make sure that the appropriate parties are responsible because you're now paying Franz to chase down that information. And it's not an individual, it's a policy. So you should be able to own a million guns. Like that, you guys read that? It was about two months ago. The judge that shot his wife, and when they went in, he had she had registered, but he had like 72 different guns. Oh, well, so that's the thing. We always hear, oh my God, they had so many guns. I'm like, what's so many guns? All is you need five, is one. <laughs> well, is five guns a lot of guns? I've got people that would tell you five guns is four too many than anybody could ever justify. I've got people that would say five guns isn't enough for a 20-year-old to start a gun so- Guys with hundreds of guns. <laughs> so, first of all, I, I apologize for my tardiness. It was bound to happen at some point. And then second of all, have you, have you ever noticed that people who have guns don't just have a gun? Never. It's always Never. like, and they're all sacred and important, all 600 of them. Legitimately um, so. Yeah, yeah, I don't, look, I'm a gun guy. Um, I don't have 600. Um, of course, I'm, no, 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 no. Uh, once I had a uh, kid, I stopped. I stopped. Stopped piling. Um, but the point is, for me, I you know, the, the problem always is the person who's willing to to follow the rules is never the problem. So I live in a state that just is is about to pass legislation uh, that went from a concealed carry permit to open. We can now conceal carry that's, without. That's, that's Georgia. Yeah, without a permit. Now, if you have a permit, you get certain liability shielding civilly, which goes back to Josh. Um, but here's the thing. I'm, I mean, Josh is suggesting something that I'm like, probably not a bad idea for me to have uh, firearm insurance in case I ever use a firearm. I'm not the problem, though, right? And somewhere, an NRA guy is losing their mind uh, listening well. to this. NRA, remember, got seriously eunuched uh, this last week. Uh, thank the Lord, because the most recent management of the NRA has betrayed every sports person that ever gave them a dime. And I hope the NRA doesn't exist anymore after what Wayne LaPierre and these utter anti-patriotic devils did to the NRA, destroying it. But... Gun owners should relish the ability to own as many guns and personal responsibility and all that. Um, The insurance policy also saves America because we should get rid of for-profit health insurance and go to single payer and we need to to replace that. It is a free market um, solution. And what it really does is it removes the government from the regulating. And that's been everybody's Second Amendment issue is that, oh, we can't have a government. We need to have access to it. You, you can't. But if you're found in possession of a firearm and can't show me the insurance card showing that it has a million dollar liability umbrella, I'm going to take it and destroy it immediately. And if you've got 50 World War II M1 Garands that sit in the, in the basement, hey, man, show me your insurance guy. 
he's probably going to give you a way lower price than the guy who goes, no, 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 I got 12 so you... Orson 9mm $99 specials, and I leave them unlocked on the porch. So in most states, having a firearm, not to interrupt, but to have a firearm when you're not supposed to, in most states, with the exception if you're a convicted felon or have a previous conviction for a domestic crime of violence or a crime of violence, a uh, domestic case, in most states, having a gun when you're not supposed to is generally a misdemeanor. So do, would you make it a misdemeanor not to have the insurance? Or would you make it a felony? It's automatic forfeiture. Okay. So no criminal component. See, yeah, no criminal component, just yeah. forfeiture. Yeah, if you are possessing a firearm and do not have with it the requisite insurance policy card, it is subject to immediate forfeiture and destruction by the state. Period. End of story. Strict liability. Very fast. See, I like it, but I've still like uh, we we saw something. There was some trivia on some movie in California where they were like uh, they went in and they bought a gun and there was a process. And the trivia part was in California, all you need is a clean history and a three day waiting period. And oh, then yeah. anybody could walk into a Walmart. Well, Walmart's taking a beating uh, today. There's anyone can walk into a Walmart. 21... And if you're patient, even if you're angry, you just gotta wait three days and you're good to go. There's an 18 and 21 issue as well. And California special because California has very restrictive gun laws compared to the rest of America, where there are actually firearms produced that are labeled California state compliant. <laughs> because California has magazine limits, a couple of things that no other state does, because California, one of its roles is to be the tip of the spear on policy issues. California sets all of our emission standards for vehicles. California sets all kinds of education standards, just like Texas. Because if Texas is going to buy your school book, it's what all the other states are going to buy. Right. So Texas is the one where all the fights about whether you're going to have this, that, or whatever in the school book that's where that stuff is. That's like them saying a gun that you buy in California is not going to work in Oregon. <laughs> uh, so if you possess many kinds of firearm. Their mere existence in California, it subjects them immediately. So, so the it. constitutional challenge to Josh's proposal will be some. And, and look, I'm I'm a centralist. I'm 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 an opportunistic mercenary centralist. The interesting thing will be somebody on the far right claiming that what Josh is proposing discriminates against poor people. Uh, you're right. Yeah. And 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 it's a not only will it be a constitutional challenge based on that, but it'll be a constitutional challenge, of course, based on the Second Amendment as well. Uh, well again, yeah. again, I'm what you're suggesting. I am not inherently opposed to because I. The more I'm sitting here, I'm like, I really should have some kind of firearm policy in case I ever have to use it. And I don't. I have like a general. Now in my household, I have a general. Which, well, by you've the got way, a homeowner's use, policy, right, probably. Right. And, right. And the question is, do you also have like an umbrella for outside of the home? And, and there's more insurance. Insurance, which is one of the evilest things in the entire universe, 100% based on fear. 100% so, based on fear. So my likely, and I'm, I'm playing this out in my head. This is going to be great for my law class in, uh, on next week. You're welcome. The, yeah. <laughs> so the likely the likelihood of an event happening where I utilize a firearm, it's going to be my car outside. Like I'm in my car with a firearm or I'm in my home with a firearm, both of which 
I don't know that my automobile was shirt. My, I'm, uh, I'm quite does. sure that it, it oh, does. Yeah. I've sued that case. Oh, okay. We had one Wonderful. against a former Marine road rager who thought he was so badass driving around waving his gun at people. We we taught him a really good lesson. So and both his homeowners and his auto policy applied. <laughs> so so based on what I'm saying, again, I'm not opposed to it because look, the reason I would probably get into a firearm event in my home or in my car is I'm a big fan of the castle doctrine of defending my home and the, and the human beings I'm responsible for in my home. You like Same with the car. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and don't and touch Franz's rims, man. Franz uh -huh. loves his rims. Look, I've got a whole bunch of Catholic stuff in my house. It's like a, like a, it's almost like a basilica up in here and in my yeah, car. Dude, don't you want that a stolen? Yeah, Isn't that part of your ministry? If, they, no, if you could convert and save some souls oh. by them stealing what is a very impressive collection of spiritual art, because I man, you're one of my favorite spiritual people in the world, because I know without, how without question and real it is. But really, so actually, actually, you're you're absolutely a thousand percent accurate. The mindset is: if somebody steals something out of my car, like a, I collect rosaries then God, the mindset is, well, then they needed that rosary more they than They needed that rosary. And if they're stealing rosaries, I'm I'm yeah. pretty certain they need one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you that, that's a self-proving idea right there. <laughs> I got some good rosaries. You're not getting a lot of crack yeah. based on my rosaries. <laughs> yeah, but, but all uh, the rosaries to, you want. <laughs> to, to what Josh said, though, you know, you have your rosaries, but you also have $2,000 worth of car tires and rims on that car you have to protect. So, so what's interesting though is is the 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 centralist that leans a little right as it comes to firearms in me is like, man, what Josh is proposing. There's so many issues. I don't know how I feel, but the practical like risk management guy in my brain is like, Josh is actually making a lot of sense right now, <laughs> and candidly. What kind of what would the cost be on that insurance policy uh, exactly, annually? So, exactly. If you are some 50, 60, 70 year old grandmother who's never had a police a thing in your and has had a 38 that sits in her drawer for you're talking a couple hundred bucks a year. Hundred bucks yeah. a year. Man, they will sell because remember, there are millions of guns in America. Millions. You want a group that will support more this. guns than people, by the way. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah. The the insurance universe, jump on it. The lawyer universe jump on the yeah. aerial and finance universe jump on the only people that lose are I, man i'm trying i'm trying to think the poor who, people who can't afford the insurance well guess what georgia will certainly create a, a firearms for the indigent program or after <laughs> jumping through enough indoctrinating education from the government they will give Can you, you imagine free government gun Rush, policy for one. Imagine people going door to door saying, "Oh, are you guys trying to like get breakfast for people in school?" We're like, "No, we're trying to raise money Shit. to insure poor people." Yep. Little Timmy, little Timmy, is poor, can't afford the two hundred and fifty dollars annual. Now, what's interesting is is how the insurance companies are going to bend Josh over. And figure out, well, wait, if Franz has an eight-year-old that stays with him, oh, even oh. if Franz, if even if Franz has a firearm safe, which I do, we're gonna charge Franz more money. A premium. 
So once you get into how you modify it, so first of all, Georgia just passed a law. It has not been signed yet, but it's passed. You're, we're changing our tax code because we don't like giving away free taxes unless you're going to buy something gun related. And it was a bipartisan gun in Georgia legislation, ultra rare. But if you purchase gun storage and safety equipment, now there's a tax carve out. So if you buy a gun safe, no more taxes. You buy gun locks, no more taxes. It's the first gun-related legislation that the left and the right were both 100% on because the only the only potential benefit is more safe firearms. And, and the insurance policies, the same kind of way. In order for you to get the better policy, hey, Franz, you uh, like this kind of firearm, we'll send you to this class taught by your local gun store, by somebody who's probably former military, that has a new job teaching gun safety. Franz is going to get a 10% discount because he took high capacity magazine safety every three years. That's also going to lead to a system-wide rising educational level where there's arguments that because we don't have mandatory conscription like the Israelis or the Koreans, are more adults that aren't familiar with guns are dangerous being in their presence versus if everybody has a fundamental basic knowledge, you don't point at anything you don't want to shoot. If you join the military, the United States will waive the insurance requirements. I believe that public service inducements are one of the ways we save America. Because if you are willing to at 18 sign up for a four or six year or eight year public service, no less than 500 miles from your home, must be more than 500 miles away from your home. I believe you should get tax benefits. I want our public defenders who are public servants. I want them having guns too. Um, And by the way, just, just, just for shits and giggles, I used to be a public defender. And when I would tell people I do public service and public defender work, they would laugh at me. When I would tell people when I was a prosecutor, I'm a public servant and I do public service through being a prosecutor. They're like, man, thank you so much. I I appreciate you. I was like, are you kidding me? Even though public defense, criminal defense, one of the only jobs in the MF Constitute, like literally, it is in the Constitution because without an aggressive defense, prosecutors must become fascist abusers. The founding fathers knew that without a counterbalance, the state shall abuse you. It's a foregone conclusion. Limitless government power is a recipe for absolute disaster. That's why criminal defense attorneys, mandatory part of the system. (laughs) Sorry. One more note. We're fixing world problems right now. We're fixing world problems. But you know what? Just to go back to what what Fraud said with with the uh, with the people who can't afford that, when they were saying that you have to buy a gun, but you also have to buy a safe and take a class and all that sort of thing. That again, that is a problem for people that can barely afford their gun if you need one. Well, uh, I, I, wealth and income is unfortunately an unfair port of free society. I've I've tried my best by spending recklessly and stupidly on many things. Me too. <laughs> Me <know>. too. <laughs> I have bought more crap. I'm I'm very good at recycling the money that I earn. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but really, I think that we can completely address the firearm issue with a private sector solution as long as we got a couple of supporting government things. So yeah, there needs to be a program for 
a cheap or free insurance policy so that indigents can acquire a, you know, rusted 38 special uh, police leftover, which is fun. Because like like Louisiana and Georgia, man, as long as it ain't a church or serve liquor, you can basically bring gun anywhere. That's and, my favorite. And my it's favorite, so weird. My favorite firearm by the collector who gets popped for like felony possession of a firearm in the federal system is they'll have 600 guns. And you, it's clear that they're a collector, right? And like gun number 598 will be something that is so dilapidated and like just ridiculously useless. And I'm like, why did you even have this? Well, it had some sentimental value to it. And, uh, you know, I just didn't want to get rid of it. It's like, cur it's like currency. Firearms are like currency. And as I sit here, I know Josh will agree. I have been offered firearms in exchange for payment of services. Wait uh, a second. <laughs> oh, until they actually issued an opinion saying, that's a bad idea, y'all. That should be illegal. <laughs> and early in my career, I, I have a Silver 38 that I love. It is one of my favorite guns. Friend of mine bought it new, had a ticket. I did the ticket. He goes, Josh, I, man, here, I'm going to give you this gun. I'm like, awesome. <laughs> now it is not best practices to do that anymore it happens so much that they literally issued an opinion here in georgia about it. but there's a legitimate argument that firearms are one of the more stable long-term holders of value because guess what you can always sell a good revolver always i, I like what Franz just said when the, they offered him a gun that's like one step below saying listen i killed this guy i need you to stick up for me but i can't pay you so i'll kill somebody that well, you'd, you'd want to make sure it's a different caliber than the gun look if i'm gonna collect and take catholic stuff in payment for services i'm gonna take a firearm uh, in payment yeah. for hey, services. i guarantee franz and i i know i have i guarantee franz has been offered a other forms of payment oh, none of which convert into cash that is also a really bad idea and every year one or more lawyers gets pinched because at some point um the relationship falls apart and the payment terms are disclosed and that is never good um my ex-wife it's said, always been if you turn it into a purse through cash you're not allowed to accept it so Unfortunately, I've never been offered it by anyone that I would deem one acceptable. Wow, well, I'm not saying that it was going to be a high quality. <laughs> so for your listeners, for your viewers, uh, we, most states, we have this ethical rule that because the dynamic and relationship between attorney and client is one of trust and one of almost psychological disadvantage because you're coming to an attorney in, in a time of need and you're at you're at a psychological disadvantage. We're not supposed to diddle our clients. They're um, very, we actually have to take a test on this. Unless there's a pre-existing diddling relationship that exists. Oh, so you're allowed to stay with your wife or girlfriend if they get in trouble, but you can't. No, doesn't even have to be a girlfriend. Oh, well, no, 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 no. Don't impose a standard that it doesn't exist. If you have a pre-existing sexual relationship with an individual, not, not, relationship not wife not girlfriend not any partner whatever well then it's okay because you guys were, were diddling before and this is not really changing anything but yes not only is it not okay it is 
just to be clear, we are not advocating for the acceptance of sex as a payment for legal <laughs> services. Not that does not pay my mortgage. Uh, yeah, I'm going to need that edited and chopped up and put through the AI. I'm totally going to need that redone. Do you know what? I'll I'll do that because we had we had a bit. There, somebody said just some of the stuff where I mispronounce or whatever. If you play it back at the speed point five, it doesn't only really sound stupid. It sounds like you're drunk. So I'll oh put yeah, it no, that's the drunk. The week. drunk Kimmel does that with uh, the Kimmel's uh, uh, drunk drunk government and yes. So, but uh, along what Franz is is talking about, the intimate relations between lawyers and clients is so pervasive. Lawyers, lots of people think we just take the bar exam. Well, that's a colloquialism for more than one test because every state also requires you to pass the model professional responsibility or ethics exam, which is a humorously scored test. Um, you take it sometime during your third year. Uh, and there are three rules that the takeaway is. Now, they have been litigated to the end of the earth, you can find opinions on all of this, millions of hours of manpower. Do not F, that's the rule, and it comes in three ways. Do not F the client, do not F the counsel, the other side, do not F the money. Those are the three ethical rules at the highest level. Stay away from Fing any of those three, you're pretty good as a lawyer. Can you F with them? Absolutely. You just better know what the rules are. Yeah, you got to be smart. Right. <laughs> Look, if a if I ever had an opportunity to F with a judge, and I'm talking, that probably will never happen, right? I, I've accepted my law. I don't know. Life. You run for judge uh, one of these days. Sorry. If I had a, <laughs> That's I mean, there are a few things in life that I would turn over my bar license for. Yeah. I, and if, I mean, if like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, God rest her soul. And this is this is another clip I'm about to if give This you. is going to go sex related and you're bringing up RBG. Ratings gold. Yeah. Let me tell you if RBG looks at me, violence. I can't wait to see if this. If RBG now. while alive would have said Franz in order to to, to save the human race, we Let's have to throw have sex. Down. Like, here's my here's my here's my bar license. I'm out. God God wanted me to have sex with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I have to give up my license. There oh, man, that is the, the thumbnail right there. That's if where you God, drew the line. <laughs> well, but here, here's the thing. Like, you've got to realize the reality situation. I don't know, because maybe you're a district attorney. You can't keep your swerve suppressed. So you need man. to start having a relationship with the guy you just hired. And then hide it and fight it. And when everybody finds out, be like, it's not... Secret, it's private. I mean, it's private, it's not secret. Oh, and yeah, there's no record. Are we dealing with that? Are we oh, dealing with that in Georgia right, right now? now? I'm skipping that hearing to talk to you, Mama Lukes, which I love. And I cannot wait to get back to because let me tell you, it was as good as you get. It just, it, from the layers of the onion, oh my Lord, I'm in heaven. It is so juicy. And these are people that I know. Like, these are people that I've hung out with. Um, Watching them, wow, absolutely mind-blowing. But back to having sex with people, you should not, as a general practice, have sex with any of your clients. You should generally accept payments in the way that payments are intended, which is through cash, property, or other assets, even though you are still allowed to barter, including 
personal services. That's what, especially if you're a super horny, then it turns around and you're like, you know, I got to make some money at some point because I can't pay my mortgage with sex. Well, humorously, so some of the litigation on alternative payment arrangements goes back to the dot-com bubble because smart young lawyers were going, oh, you don't have any money. You got stock. Get, give me some equity. So equity was traded for legal representation, which then caused issues because what affects the value of the equity? The legal representation. So you then end up with, hey, if Franz wants to short a stock, which is an option strategy, and he's the lawyer, can he then make an announcement that tanks the value and manipulate the market, which might have happened. And there might be some true thieves and scumbags who never get prosecuted doing that kind of stuff. Look, my eight-year-old eats food. He doesn't live <laughs> off of he doesn't live off lap dances. So right. if you see me walk into a bank with maybe four or five thousand dollars in ones, I'm probably been employed by a stripper. Yep. Yep. Who That's happened. Always. Their money spends the same. Uh cash people tend to be very, very good clients because they're very diligent with no, 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 the money's the money. Because they don't have banking and credit cards and I'm gonna make it and pay it. No, 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 no. If it's green and it's in their pocket, they're gonna give it to you. Uh, it's my same issue with undocumented immigrants. People are screaming bloody murder about undocumented best clients in the world. You have an undocumented immigrant that has 15 different things to do for probation. They'll have it done in 30 days. It yeah. will be perfect. It will be the best package of, and they're like, Mr. Josh, is there anything out? I'm like, no, man, you're blowing everybody else out of the water. Cause they, 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 they pay, and they oh. pay in full. Pay and every time. And in full. I adore them as clients. They are the and respectful and nice. And here's the sick twisted part. My undocumented clients are better Americans than virtually anybody. Hardworking, faithful, family, kids stay out of trouble like it's their job. When you see these guys walking in the rain, that's because they don't want to drive because they don't want to get arrested. Yeah, it, it's it's not walk it's, through Nicaragua to end up in lockup <laughs> in rural Georgia. It's yeah, it, it's it's interesting because you bring up a good point where it's like you guys, somebody comes in, you bend over backwards to get them some community service or something, but they're entitled, so they end up not doing. And you're like, what the fuck? I did all uh, this work for you, and you can't just push the ball over the uh, over the line. I put it at the ninety nine or at the one yard line. One of the mile markers in developing a practice and becoming a successful mid-career lawyer is when you can start hiring or firing or not accepting jerks. And you're yeah. just like, man, I'd love to help you. I'm not going to tell Asshole. your attitude sucks, but I've already concluded your attitude sucks. I do not want to spend any time with you. That That's the fantasy. Yeah. I'm not there it, yet. Right um, now, I just price people out. I'm like, well, that's, yeah. I don't want to take your... I don't want to take your case, so I'm going to charge you two times what I would normally charge you because I don't really want to take your case. Oh shit! You yeah, have the, money. You, the problem. Oh, is they write the oh you have that you money know. with you. <laughs> I, I need to increase my walkaway price because apparently it was not accounting for inflation. Um, I yet. I fantasize about the day where I can look at that potential client who I absolutely nobody would want to represent. And it's generally not the nature of the crime. It's everything yeah, yeah, yeah. else. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the person. It, and to be able to say, yeah, no, thanks. I'll just, yeah. I'm good. 100% <laughs> yep. the person. And there are people, we have a list of 
We do not take calls because in a city like ours, same in Baton Rouge, you'll have people that we call dialing for dollars where you know they talk to 12 lawyers because they're asking the same questions as other lawyers and telling you and trying to tell. And you're like, oh, it's not like, you know, way too much. <laughs> yeah. You've already been rejected by like nine yeah. of my colleagues. And I do not want to ever deal with you or talk with you or, and you, you find a way to gently. Yeah. And they have money, so you're like, wow, you're just that much of an asshole that 12 other people do not want your money. The, the good news is that due to the way legal the universe is structured, there's always a lawyer desperate enough for any client. The market is an amazing thing. The market, free market, I am a big fan of somebody's charging $500 for murder. Probably not yep. a great criminal defense attorney, but there's a market for that. Yep. And And you'll hear the client be like, Man, I ain't using no public defense. Man, that guy's tried cases for like 20 years. No, 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 I'm getting a paid lawyer. Really? You paid three grand on a murder. He works out of his car. <laughs> that really going to be a great way to spend that three grand because aren't you going to need that for your commissary? If you go to prison. <laughs> so, in our country, so in our country, some of the best public defenders are the federal public defenders. Oh, my God. Which so one good. of the hardest jobs to get. Uh, it is six figures, benefits. It is a great job. When I hear someone tell me, man, I got this federal public defender. He ain't a real attorney. And I'm like, actually, I know I know Josh Smith. And I'm thinking to myself, I wish I was as good as that federal public defender. <laughs> you, you can also make like a couple hundred grand a year and qualify for the federal public defender. People don't understand when when federal cases, you're not talking a few grand, man, 10, 20, 30 grand just to start. Federal eats time like there's a filing for a I need to file the filing to ask permission to do the filing. That's literally something you have to do in federal court. Well, they're, and, they're probably getting a lot of sex too because they don't need the money. So, you know, you can trade whatever you want. <laughs> that money sex all right on that yeah. note we, yeah hey it's been an hour already <laughs> we do okay we have to talk a little bit of music the reason this came up was josh after i talked to you the first time somebody oh you gotta go you got five yeah, minutes you gotta go teach the children i got five i got five no i got five minutes because it's fridays with franz on court tv ah oh. okay so anyways this came up because after we talked to josh they said you gotta have these guys draft off a couple of their favorite bands now it could be anything alternative music rock and roll from you know the 70s up until now and i'll let franz go first because i know that uh, he's got a bounce so. so i was born in 1979 and i have two older brothers and so i'm a big fan of 80s music um by 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 default i love motley crew motley crew Death Leopard. You now the way the draft works is Josh gets to go next. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Take Motley Crue. I will take. So are I'll we take just Motley sticking Crue. with rock and pop, or are we going uh, a, a farther afield? No hip hop, but like you could take a Blink 182, you can take a Nirvana, whatever you want. Can, as can long I as take a Led Zeppelin? Because really, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Led Zeppelin. I was born in 1976. Uh, there's not a Led Zeppelin song that's bad. Bronze. I'm a Swifty. Taylor Swift. You know what? I, 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 we talked about this a while ago, but it is on my. I was listening to it on the way home today. That song, Antihero, I'm telling you right oh. now, and it's drilled into my head. I she writes, she writes wonderful music. She does. Like, she is, and I'm going to throw together a Madonna, 
um, a share, a, and I'll tell you my two favorites, right? Well, I got a couple. I think Miley Cyrus has huge long career stuff. And I think Taylor Swift is a Barbara Streisand level, per, like her creativity in song. It's magnificent. Oh, sorry, um, Josh. Is your second pick? Uh, I'm going to go Guns N' Roses. 1987, wow. Appetite for Destruction. 11-year-old Josh thought that was the coolest thing ever, and he learned where California was. When we were taking the votes for everything with the best albums ever, that uh, Appetite for Destruction Ooh. came up as one where every song is good. The Smashing yeah. Pumpkins album, the Infinite... Oh, yeah, Infinite Mind, that's a good one. That came up with everyone. Uh, Nirvana. There was, like, there was a few that came up where a lot of people said you can listen to every song. Sorry, Franz, yeah. your third? Billy Joel. Yes. The good stuff is amazing. The filler, oh, okay, fair enough. Good I, stuff. Some of the best songs I've ever read. My same problem with Springsteen. It's either uh, really, really good or it's really, really yeah, shitty. Has there is 10 no in between. Amazing songs I could listen to a thousand times. I never need to hear any of his filler. Yeah. All now, right, Josh, you're up for number three. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna pick what you just said because it was, you know, the album of my teenage years. Uh, Nirvana. Never mind. Man, Nirvana came out. I was going into high school, and we went from hair metal to grunge, and it went straight from Nirvana into Pearl Jam into the entire grunge mu movement that was my high school and college. All right, Franz. One more from you, and then uh, I will let you go. <laughs> the Beatles. Nice. Better than I hate it. That I'm a Beatles over the Rolling Stones all day long. Oh yeah. Of the Rollings. That's kind of a. I don't like that comparison. Like, like one of those. Wh which one do you want? The Rolling Stones or the Beatles? I don't know that you can. I, I think the Beatles, uh, you know, the Rolling Stones, it's kind of the same eight to 10 songs kind of roll back, you know, back and forth. Where the Beatles are just, man, that's another one you can probably listen They're to. They're entire. So I, I like, there's not a Beatles song that I really hate. Yeah, same. Um, same. Now, Wings. Yeah. Plenty of crappy Wings songs. Plenty. <laughs> Wait, remember, what was it when they were like Wings? They said, what, the TV show or the, no. the band? And they're like, no, the food. <laughs> Very quick. Uh, Paul McCartney came to Atlanta, stadium tour. I was 20 years old. It's playing the songs. The whole stadium is just crying with the Beatles. Then he got to Wings. Never seen more people move to the aisle staff. <laughs> Everybody was like, nope, not a Beatles song. Time to All right, Josh, I'll feel... the last one, and then I will sing you guys away. All right, uh, I'm going to step into just a little bit into the uh, uh, Beastie Boys. Oh, nice. Now, what's the best Beastie Boys album? True Beastie Boys fans will tell you always, Paul's Boutique, which didn't have a single top hit, but is an album, maybe one of the best albums of all time. All right, we will oh. carry this over into next week, but uh, Franz has to go on TV and whatever the hell, Josh, you do on Friday. Tell them hello for me. I'll be back hopefully on Court TV next week. I very successfully rebalanced my life, and I miss my people over on Court TV. All right. Well, they're both making a shit ton of money on TV and everywhere. I and mean, if you want oh, more, make maybe any money maybe. on TV. Zero. <laughs> nice. Zero. Not, not as much money as I make on this podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll get you guys paid one day. <laughs> Uh, we're solving gun violence. We're doing everything. Uh, check out Joshua Schiffer at www.jdgrouplaw.com or on Twitter at Lawyer Schiff. 
or Google Joshua Schiffer and him for an extra helping of Franz in Louisiana, visit www.borghartlawfirm.com or on Twitter at borghartlaw or just use the internet to Google it or reach out to me or do whatever you do, gentlemen. As always, thank you so much. Hey, 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 Derek, were you were you watching or were you reading? Uh, what? Just you might want to check the tape. Oh no! What did I do? Nothing. <laughs> the funny thing is, I'm not that good at audit- Josh, editing videos. So this Josh Schiffer has the best legs in show business. Yeah, I know. He's like the Katie Couric. He's like the Katie Couric of men. Remember when she got on the the night show? They took the front off the desk so you could look at her. Oh, face. you're right. They did, and it was like, y'all, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know that I put right. the intro next week. Josh Schiffer, the Katie Couric of television legal. I'm going to demand that now. I'm going <laughs> to need like a crawler on the crowd. Bye, Fraud. Bye, everybody. Have a great one. All right, dude. I'll catch you soon. I got to go 